Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. Uh, It is, I'm going to date the show a little bit because of some of the things we're going to talk about today. Uh, I am sitting in for Pastor Jeff. Normally on a Tuesday, uh, Pastor Jeff Figgs would be your regular host um, but he is unable to do the show today uh, for a very important reason. Uh, and I wanted to just let you know that this is a live show. Of course, any other time that the uh, show is, um, you know, it, it I'm on a day you don't expect. It says Encore, then it's Encore. But uh, on today, it's a Tuesday, July 5th. Uh, when I this is originally airing, and I'm sitting in. My name is Ed Taylor, and I'm the pastor at Calvary Church. And here in Colorado, um, we had a tragedy take place today among our Calvary Chapel family. Uh, we I got word early this morning uh, that uh, Pastor Scott Cox and his wife Nancy uh, were on vacation and were in a tragic car accident last night and lost their lives. And uh, they passed, passed, uh, Scott pastored the Calvary in Windsor and and just a phenomenal man of God, he and Nancy. And, you know, it's been a long road for Pastor Scott uh, for many years because it was just a few years ago that his son also tragically died, his son, uh, Christian, and walking through it was after my son passed away and so spent a lot of time with Scott spent a lot of time on the phone and texting and praying and this family and now uh, he too has gone home to be with the Lord and so I'm asking you no matter where you are I know the program gets aired around the country even around the world if you would just take a pen out if you're not driving and jot down the Cox family Uh, their sons Alex and Charlie are still um, here and of course their families um, not a lot of information has come through it's just been I've been uh, speaking with the leadership uh, one of the board members one of the elders uh, this morning and quite a few pastors around and uh, and they're just slowly um, absorbing the the sudden tragic news and and so Pastor Jeff uh, and Scott, they serve together there. We, our church is kind of down south in the Denver area. Uh, but then there's a whole series of church Calvaries up in the northern part of Colorado, which Windsor would be up in the northern part. And so the, um, you know, the family, it's a family. So the northern guys are all rallying around and Jeff in particular uh, ministering uh, today. So, you know, keep Pastor Jeff in your prayers uh, we will have a program uh, to the best of our ability. I'm going to talk about grief. I'm going to remind you, if you're grieving right now, it opens up a wound. Um, I recognize that you know many of you 
Um, you know, you don't know um, Scott. Uh, but Scott was a, a regular teacher in the beginning years of of Grace FM. Uh, he came on as one of the original teachers when we first started the uh, um, the radio station. He, was, he had a super early morning um, a super early morning program uh, that a lot of people missed when he moved in a new direction. And when he moved in a new direction, it was glorious when I got the phone call because he was bringing on staff as his church was growing. And, you know, you couldn't do two things at the same time. So he was bringing on staff. And um, let me read to you his, his bio. And again, this is the family of God. So whether you're in Florida or you're in Missouri or you're in Texas uh, this is part of the family, and I know it's you're disconnected to some degree uh, from the ministry. But uh, in Colorado, you know it's a different environment, and there is a closeness, a, knit, a close knitness between many of the Calvary pastors in this region. And Scott was just incredibly beloved. We are having a regular program as well, so if you want to call three zero three six nine zero three thousand three zero three. Six nine zero three thousand, or uh, you can text me. Um, the text line is wide open, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Seven two zero is the text line. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Here's what they wrote uh, on, and just like Scott, I'll go to the website calvarywindsor.com or calvarychapelwindsor.com, and in the staff page, where is Scott? He's at the bottom. Uh, he's not at the top. He's at the bottom. You have to scroll all the way down, just totally like him, a very humble, faithful man. Scott grew up in a small town in western Colorado and lived a fairly typical American boy's lifestyle. He graduated from the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley with a degree in geography, and he landed a job in Northern California as a cartographer, which is a map maker. And I learned that from him. I'd never heard of that before. In 1991. While in California, he met a young woman, Nancy, who was a Christian. Nancy immediately invited Scott to a Bible study, which happened to be at Calvary Chapel in Modesto. Scott began reading the Bible and praying, but he wasn't saved. Over the course of the next five months, all of Scott's objections to Jesus were answered. And let me just say, Scott was a very intelligent, um, meticulous man uh, and was a stickler for details and facts. Um, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Like the the map making part of him. So to read this, um, you know, with his objections, I I can hear you know his well rounded objections. One evening alone in his car, Scott surrendered his life to God. He asked for forgiveness for all the horrible things he'd ever done, and the weight of it all, the sin he'd been carrying for years, was lifted. Scott and Nancy married in 1993, moved to Colorado Springs. They attended Rocky Mountain Calvary and began volunteering in various ministries, including teaching children. In 1998, Scott started teaching Bible studies with workmates and later led a home Bible study uh, through the Gospel of Matthew. Scott found that promotions and raises were, so, were no longer motivating to him. God was redirecting his life toward ministry. In 2005, Rocky Mountain Calvary hired Scott as part of their pastoral staff. But the burden to begin a new work for God's kingdom was still strong. 
It was in the summer of 2006. Uh, the Coxes sold their home and moved to Windsor to stop uh, to start Calvary Chapel, Windsor. They knew only one family in town. They started a Thursday night Bible study in their home going through the book of Acts. And God gave Scott a job with the city of Greeley as a map maker. And in October 2006, Calvary Chapel, Windsor was officially born with Sunday services at the Windsor High School cafeteria. Since then, God has blessed the church, or excuse me, blessed the teaching of his word by changing lives, growing his church, and providing a new location for the church. His favorite verse, Exodus 34, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, showing love to thousands of generations and loving, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And so uh, that's how we started the day today. Uh, we want to pray for the team. Steve is the worship leader. Zach is the youth pastor. Brandon and April oversee the children's ministry. Lori oversees the, the ladies' ministry. Bob uh, is men's ministry direct, director uh, and uh, many others. So be in prayer for them, right? Calvary Chapel, Windsor, Colorado. 303-690-3000. Let's go over to Texas. James, welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing well, James. How can I serve you? I have a question. Um, okay. I've got a friend that's into D&D, uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. So my question is, how do I start a conversation about, uh, in the in the vein of correction, shall we say, who, who claims to be a Christian, who is a Christian? Um, they serve at their church. But how do you rectify... Um, you know, wizards and warlocks and casting spells and all that stuff that goes along with D and D. Yeah. Um. How do, uh, it's clearly not biblical. And how do you rectify the two? And how do you start a conversation like that? How close are you to him on a scale one to ten? How good of friends are you? Ten. Okay, so you can start that conversation any way you want. Number one, because you've earned that credibility in his life. Uh, and so know that you can go with the authority of God, the love of God as a friend. Uh, but since you've earned up to a 10, uh, you have to, you have withdrawals that you can make in that bank of friendship uh, to really share your heart. And I think that the, the way that I would start the conversation listening to you is from the platform of concern. I, I would start the conversation from a place of concern. You are concerned about your friend who is into something that obviously has elements of the occult, of things that the Bible uh, you know, forbids, things uh, that open a doorway to the demonic, and you're concerned. And I think that's how you start it. Uh, and, and ask him with open-ended questions. It's important to learn in our lives how to ask open-ended questions um, like, for example, uh, if you started with, I can't, you know, hey, brother, I'm really concerned about you. Why are you doing uh, Dungeons and Dragons? Um, you know, don't you know it's bad? You know, in that way, that kind of question goes, no, I'm doing it because I like it. And no, I don't think it's bad. Instead, you can open up with what is it about Dungeons and Dragons that's attraction attracted to you? Um, are, are, do you find any concern? Is there any concern that you have about the magic and and I know that the response will be something like it's 
fake and make-believe. And that is true. There is a fantasy part to these role-playing games, whether they're Dungeons and Dragons or anything, you know, through the virtual world now, the meta world, the the um, video game world, they're role-playing games. However, you know, we have to be careful what roles we take on and what roles we pretend as believers. We we need to be careful, like the Bible says. Um, this verse comes to mind right away, and you probably already know it, um, but I'm I'm reminded in First Thessalonians chapter five, in verse uh, twenty uh, nineteen, it says, "Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, and abstain from every form of evil." And when you combine that with Philippians chapter four about dwelling on whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. I think it's important that we talk about those things and see how they apply in our lives because they all apply to all of us. You know, it's not like every single one of us. I would even go as far to say this. Um, There is no one listening right now that is perfectly pure in this area. It's an area where we need to continue to grow uh, depending on what we watch, what we listen to, or even what we're forced into when it comes to our workplace or in the world. But I start with a, I would start with concern, and then I would talk to him about the occult and what the Bible has to say about the occult, uh, what the Bible has to say about witchcraft, what the Bible has to say about um, pretending to be evil, um, because the mind, what we believe in, is going to dictate how we behave, and there is, n- other than the fact that it's a game, and it can pass the time, the substance of the game is very concerning. And, you know, I think that you have to be careful because playing a game is not bad. Uh, Playing a role-playing game isn't necessarily bad. And we have to be careful that we walk in and and acknowledge when it comes, oh, it's just a game. You're right, nothing wrong with playing games. But what about the content? Is Is it okay to play games where we murder people? Well, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't want... I don't want to be a part of something, even if it's fake, that I'm enjoying shooting people and murdering people. And some of the most popular video games today is all about murder and war and mayhem. And I just don't think it's healthy for for Christians. Um, personally, I think I can make a strong biblical case for it, too. All right. So start with concern. Um, has he exhibited any behavior that concerns you, or is it just playing the game? Uh, it's, I mean, the the thing that concerns me is church is this, and it seems like most most of life lines up with church. But here I've got this game that I'm totally opposite. Yes. You know, I mean, is it totally opposite? Like, because I want you, as you walk into this, you're going to want to make sure as soon as you want to make sure you're, you, you have the facts, because if you go in without the facts, then you might lose him right away. He's like, you don't know anything what you're talking about. You know, he's like, who do you think you are? You don't even know me. Um, but rather like stick to the things, you know, for sure. And just yeah. let him at, let him answer. Like, like, how can you, 
how how is it possible you know something like how how can you reconcile playing that game with your walk with the lord and i know i already know what he's going to say i mean i'm already anticipating he's going to say it's just a game it's like playing rubik's cube or it's playing you know a video game or pinball and and then there's that's going to break off into a couple conversations one it can be a big time waster right and we know the bible says that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and that we're to be good stewards of our time. So that's a conversation. The other conversation, of course, is the occult and witchcraft and magic and casting of spells. And again, I know that he puts it in the context of fantasy, and it is. I mean, it very much is. However, when we, the Bible is clear about steering away from those things of the occult and witchcraft and and it may you know it's not going to be solved in one conversation you got to remember this is going to be many conversations with your friend and i wouldn't be surprised at the end of this one that you guys still disagree but that's okay because you're planting seeds that's all you're just sharing your heart with with your friend because you would want him to share his heart if he saw something in your life yeah yes sir all right can i pray for you Absolutely. All right, Father, I pray for my brother as he uh, has a heart for his friend. God, that you would use James, especially since he has that relationship, that high-level investment in his friend's life, and that they have a, a a real good friendship. May that be the bridge and the, the 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 sense of trust in a very difficult conversation. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. All right, brother, call us back. Let us know how it goes. 303-690-3000. Wide open lines today. Yes, you are listening to a live broadcast on Grace FM and Radio by Grace. Welcome, everyone. On Hope FM, Truth FM, Higher Rock Radio, you guys are listening to a one-week delayed program. Uh, But all that means is you can call the show while you hear it on the air, hear it on, on, you know, Interact with the host live, and then you get to hear it on your station the following week. Give us a call, 303-690-3000, Back to Aurora, Colorado is Angel. Welcome to the program, Angel. Angel, you are on the air. All right, Angel just had a, um, a prayer request. Um, been backsliding, um, trouble stopping, want prayer and advice. Well, I don't know what the situation is, uh, Angel. However, I can say in a general sense, this phone call to the program is the beginning. It is the beginning. It's obvious you don't want to continue in the direction of your life as it stands, and that's the beginning. Um, And I think it's important that you take advantage of what God is doing in your life and I'll bring conviction. Additionally, I want you to know there's a great difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And I I taught a Bible study on this because it's so important. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And those Bible studies are up on our website, calvaryco.church, or our app. That's the best way to follow us. Um, calvaryco.church or go to your app store and put my name in there, Ed Taylor. 
There's literally hundreds of Calvary churches on the app store. So the way to find ours is just put my name in there, Ed Taylor. Boom, it'll pop up. Download it. Turn on notifications. And you can click our studies, download them to your phone, take them with you. Um, I have, that's what I do when I'm traveling so that I can download them, have it on my phone if I don't have service. Uh, and and listen to them right on my phone, on my walks, my workouts. Uh, just put my name, Ed Taylor, in the app store. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, we're, we're told that that there is a profound difference between uh, godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. And Paul is writing, and he says in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 7, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it, for I perceive that that same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice that you were not made, that not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorrow, for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer loss from us and nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And observe this very thing. Observe this very thing. (laughs) I, I, I lost it. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves. What indignation. What fear. What vehement desire. What zeal. What vindication. In all things, you proved yourself to be clear in this matter. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Don't just feel bad. Don't just feel sorry for yourself. Um, don't just feel bad because you have consequences now. Of course you have consequences. What did you expect? But come back. Repent. Just like Jesus told the church in Revelation chapter 2. He says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. And that is the pathway. So Father, I pray for Angel as they wrestle with the reality of backsliding and disobedience. I pray you would give them a distaste for the sinful lifestyle they've been in and a hunger and thirst for your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stay in Colorado now. 303-690-3000. Give me a call. Lines are open. Susanna, welcome to the program. Hello there. How you doing, Pastor? I'm doing well. What can I do for you? Well, I have a question. I have been a Christian all of my life. I'm from Mexico. Okay. So bear with my English, okay? <laughs> okay, no problem. Okay, so um, I go to a Bible study every Wednesday night, and uh, uh, some weeks ago we were talking about the book of Job. Okay, and yes. And then uh, my pastor mentioned that maybe Job never existed, and it was more like a an imaginary book of the Bible or something. So I guess my, um, so that caught me by surprise. And uh, I always thought that that was like a historical book, you know. But I don't know if you can clarify more about that fact. No, that's a great question. And unfortunately, your pastor is incorrect. Um, Job is not only a historical fact, but it's validated in other books of the Bible. Uh, in Ezekiel chapter 14, 
Uh, Noah, Daniel, and Job are all mentioned together. And did you know in the New Testament, James, when he writes, he says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. And so Job was absolutely a historical character, and a simple reading of the Bible uh, would prove to your pastor that this was not some historical work of fiction, but Job, like God, like the devil, like his wife, like his children, like his friends, were all real men and women uh, that were alive, had a real relationship with God, had a real battle with God, the devil, he's a real being, and I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm the one that has to tell you your pastor is wrong. Yeah, I, I don't tell me by surprise, and, I, and we were having a little argument, and I was like, no, I, I disagree with you, you know? Good for you. And, uh, and he was telling me, you know, uh, Susana, even if, uh, I think that was more like an imaginary book, you know, but that doesn't, but it's on the Bible, it's in the Bible, so I don't think that, you know, even if it was like an imaginary book, um, you know, that doesn't mean that it wasn't inspired by God. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, but I think... like, no, he existed. All right. of my I... life, I have always uh, believed that. But, uh, you know, we got into a little argument. And then he, he disagreed with me, and I disagreed with him. So <laughs> that's my and question it, for you for today. It's important that you follow up with this and show your pastor... <laughs> It is James living in an he imaginary? Yeah, he sh- not, you know? that's too bad. Like, you know, like, yeah, probably so, but I don't know if I able to judge. But but here's the thing: your pastor shouldn't be mad at you because you're showing him something in the Word, and and in it's very important. This is very important because if if a pastor, let's just talk about any pastor now. If a pastor uh-huh. approaches the Bible and says, "This is real. This isn't real. I believe this. I don't believe that," then he becomes God. But we approach the Bible with saying the entire Bible is inspired of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, so that you and I, the man of God, the woman of God, will be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Ezekiel, God is inspiring the prophet Ezekiel to reference Job uh, as a, a legitimate man of God, uh, James uses his experience. He says, you want to talk about perseverance, look at Job. And not only Job, but look at God, because the whole book of Job is about the faithfulness of God in his life. Right. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I was reminded as you were talking, like Romans chapter three says this, and it's not like I'm right, your pastor's wrong. And it's not like uh-huh. you're right and your pastor's wrong. This is what we're right. learning. God is right and your pastor's wrong. And... The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar. Uh, and we have to yield ourselves to the Bible. Uh, the Bible doesn't yield to us. Right. And uh, do we know who, who wrote the book? I'm in the book of Job. I'm sorry, I'm from Mexico. So no, no, it's okay. English, uh, please. You know, there are, there are various theories you know that because the Bible, the, the Book of Job doesn't say, uh, doesn't give the authorship of it. Uh, so there are various theories. I haven't looked at them in a while. Um, uh, let me see if I can find. Uh, uh, uh. 
I would have to look. I haven't looked at it in a while, um, so I don't have an answer like right off the top of my mind right now. But I'll find it for you. Okay. Okay. Stick around, and I'll see if I can get it during the break. I'm sorry. Uh, Stick. Keep listening, and I'll see if I could find it uh, during the break. Okay. All right. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. You know, almost immediately, I was going to say that I think uh, Mo- they attributed the book of Job um, to Moses, but I don't know. So I'm going to look uh, and take a little bit of time to see if I can find it. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Yes, it is live today. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to this edition of Calvary Live. It is a Tuesday, yes, and I know that it is a a different voice that you typically would hear Tuesdays are hosted here by a Colorado pastor up in the north part of Colorado, a city called Greeley, uh, Pastor Jeff Figgs, uh, just a phenomenal man of God. And you know, as I was processing everything about today, um, I was reminded that Jeff Figgs served with Scott for many years down at Rocky Mountain Calvary uh, and um, also up in the northern part. So just um, for those of you listening in around the country, uh, here in Colorado, tragedy has struck uh, the little family of Calvary's here, uh, Calvary Chapels here in Colorado. We woke up this morning, uh, and I received uh, multiple reports. I have confirmed it with the leadership of the church uh, that in Windsor, Colorado, which is up north here, Windsor, Colorado, the Calvary Chapel in Windsor, uh, Pastor Scott Cox and his wife Nancy died suddenly last night in a tragic accident, a uh, car accident, and. Uh, and so Jeff's uh, closeness to the fellowship and to the family, uh, he asked for someone to fill in for him today. And um, and so I, I wanted to jump in. I don't want to have another um, uh, encore play. Um, instead, I wanted to do this live so I could speak to the to the all everyone here in Colorado up and down the front range. You know, we have a radio network uh, that covers 80 percent of Colorado here. That's where Calvary Live originates. So I always want to be sure to talk to our Colorado audience uh, because here in in Colorado, Pastor Scott was one of the original pastors uh, that signed on with us when we, uh, 11 years ago, I think, or whatever year it was, we started Grace FM. And he stuck with us for many, many years. He had a super early morning program uh, for 15 minutes, and he's a phenomenal Bible teacher, uh, just a very meticulous man, very detail-oriented uh, and I remember the day he called me and said, I'm sorry, Pastor Ed, but we're going to have to pull off of uh, Christian radio. We need to use those resources in another way. And I'm like, oh, man, what, what's going on? And and uh, in a very encouraging phone call, he was hiring staff back then. He was bringing somebody on his team as the church just went up and down. You know, planning a church is not easy. Pastoring a church is not easy. Uh, and he had his fair share of challenges up in Windsor uh, and... Uh, but he was on just great momentum, uh, neat things happening up there. 
Um, some of you may know Pastor Scott also uh, and Nancy um, lost their son, Christian, uh, a few years ago. Uh, and they leave behind two sons, Alex and Charlie. Uh, and so we want to be praying for them and family. Um, there's not a lot more information that I have, um, except that I have been in contact with the leadership there, and I have permission to share what I've shared. Um, they're going to let information out as the family approves. Uh, and if they ask me to serve them by sharing information, we will definitely do that. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the Coxes um, because, unfortunately, uh, we are we were in the same uh, club, if you will, of losing children, uh, and and both in tragic ways, uh, different tragic ways, but tragic nonetheless. You know, I even looked up, um, I looked up the word tragic today, just looking for synonyms, because uh, I found that you kind of overuse words sometimes, and you know, there's just really no good synonym that I could find for tragic. It, it is the word that describes the horrific difficulty and our hearts are with the Cox family. Um, I think in one regard, um, I think of um, Scott and Nancy being back with their boy and what a joy that must be. Um, what a reunion it must be. However, God's going to do that in the eternal realm. But I also think of their sons who weathered this this crisis in their family so well. Um, just wonderful, both of them um, serving the Lord and and progressing in the call of God upon their lives. And and so pray, would you, for Alex and Charlie? Pray for the Cox family. Pray for the family of Calvary Chapel in Windsor. You know, Calvary Chapel family is is a portion of the body of Christ. If you're listening, no matter what, you're listening on Grace FM, you're listening on the Radio by Grace Network, you're listening on Hope FM, Truth FM, um, primarily, you know, the churches that uh, the churches that have radio stations are Calvary chapels. So I know that a large segment of our audience is from our family, but but a larger segment is not. But we're the body of Christ, and it's never uh, never a good thing to announce that we've lost a pastor and his wife instantly overnight. And so please pray. Father, we do pray for the family and of uh, the Cox family, Alex and Charlie, Lord, and um, all that they're feeling. Right? Who, I, I'm not even going to presume uh, to uh, guess what they're feeling, but I do know that it is challenging and hard. I pray, Father, that you will comfort and encourage the church family, um, that you would help them navigate through this very, very difficult time, um, that you would give wisdom to the leadership of the church to lead and guide and help and strengthen. Um, Lord, I pray that you would Fill, fill them uh, with your Holy Spirit so that they um, will take the steps that are necessary toward healing. Um, I pray, God, that <clears throat> uh, the reality of this situation, uh, it's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to test faith. Um, 
there are going to be questions about why would God allow this. And I pray that there would be um, true, strong answers for, for those that are looking for answers to their difficult question. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, um, Pastor Jeff Figgs typically will <clears throat> host on this day, on Tuesdays, but he is very close to the Scott, the Fox, the, excuse me, he's very close to the Cox family. And, you know, here in Colorado, there's, there, there are different sections of the state. There's the Western Slope. That's the other side of the Rocky Mountains. And there's a connection of pastors there. There's the Denver Metro area. And there's a connection pastors there. There's the Colorado Springs, Pueblo, far south area. And there's a connection of pastors there. Uh, and there is uh, a northern Colorado, including up in Cheyenne, Wyoming, in that section where there's a cluster of pastors there. And so Windsor is up in the northern part of Colorado, as is Greeley with Jeff Figs, And they just are super connected up in the north part. So pray for them. Pray for Jeff and his wife, Sue, as they minister to the church and and Jeff and uh, I was you know I I talked to so many my phone um, was blown up this morning and I'm just grateful uh, for everyone rallying around and loving and caring and serving it's just so good we're so faithful um, I, we're going to take your calls we're we're on the air three zero three six nine zero three thousand I want to I want to take some calls but I also want to read through something and invite you before I go back to the phone lines I want to invite you to go to my website edtaylor.org edtaylor.org and there are numerous eight pages of articles on grief that I have written or collected to help you and I want to read one in a little bit five things not to say to your grieving friend and I think you should read it it's we're going to go over it quickly on the show but I think you should read it so you're better equipped to talk to those that are hurting and and I'll, I'll read it to you in a moment, but let's go over to Pennsylvania and take a quick call from Betty Jane. Welcome to the program. Hi, Ed. How are you? I'm doing well, Betty Jane. What can I do for you? Well, so um, I'm a hospice nurse, and yes. I've called in before. Uh, yes. So my question to you is this. Um, I'm working with, right now with a 59-year-old gentleman who's end-stage MS, and yes. um, he has malnutrition. Okay. And uh, so, you know, we've been stepping up his medications to help him feel comfortable. And so he's on every two-hour doses of morphine. And he's gray. Uh, you know, so he's really ready to die, and he knows Jesus. I confirmed that with him. Okay. When I usually, when I usually work with patients who know Jesus, um, I say to them, uh, are you ready? Um, you can go to Jesus anytime. And I pray for them because he's suffering so is that okay to do that like it's not up to me it's up to god it's up to jesus and the holy spirit to arrange the timing of his death so but i just want him to feel and he said he's ready so yes is that okay it is absolutely okay and i'll, I'll tell you why um okay. even so even though we have no control over when somebody passes away or not we're speaking to someone that's alive and if if you called me and said, uh, I'm a nurse and I deal with patients, not necessarily at end stage like a hospice nurse, but just in general, I deal with patients and I came into the room and the patient was very, very tired. 
So I looked at the patient. I said, I know you're very tired. It's okay if you rest. We'll watch you. If your wife comes, we'll speak to them. Like you're speaking to someone that's alive and giving them good advice. And I think even at the end stage, you're doing the same exact thing. You're giving good advice. You're speaking to someone who's alive. You're treating them like they're alive. You're, you're affirming to them. Um, because again, a lot, a lot of times, you know, that they're uncommunicate, they're, they can't communicate. Um, they're not able to express themselves. So you're not quite sure what they're being held by or what terror might be holding on to them or what fear and anxiety. And so you being the merciful nurse that you are, it's absolutely okay to speak words of comfort and encouragement. I would say not only okay, but necessary, necessary to do that so that you might speak to the living and not the dead. And that's super important to remember. Um, even though they are at the end stage, we're going to speak the truth to them in love and we're going to speak to them as the person that's alive. Um, right. And it's okay to rest. If It's okay to rest. And that's what I, that it's hard because like you feel like, oh, you know, we want to pray for healing. We want to pray for, uh, 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 we want to see a miraculous turn of events. And certainly God could do that. But God also wants us to speak the truth in love. Right. Right. Well, it's really a- an absolute honor to be able to do this with patients. And usually what happens yeah. is they go very quickly when mm-hmm. I do that. Yes. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping he goes quickly. His first name is Russell. He's a really a lovely uh, gentlemen to work with. So yes. uh, thank you so much for answering my question. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye, Mary Jane, Betty Jane. Sorry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Well, and I, I think that, that the reality of, of speaking to the grieving uh, is also a very important aspect of you want to speak the truth in love. And here's something I wrote um, a, years, a few years ago. I'm going to repost it here soon. Uh, let me read it to you. In his book, A Grief Observes, C.S. Lewis commented how grief makes relationships uncomfortable. Conversations can turn awkward. Eye contact can be weird. Since death is an enemy, it tends to do damage to those left behind. Lewis writes, quote, I see people as they approach me trying to make up their minds whether they'll say something about the loss of his wife or not. I hate it if they do and if they don't. And that's a normal part of the grieving process this awkwardness. If you're the one that's lost a loved one, you feel it. If you're the one that God sent to encourage and comfort, you feel it. And this, this is where sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is so critical. What you choose to say can either help or hurt them. Of course, if you're like Job's friends, you can do both good and bad. But who wants to make things worse for our grieving friends? I don't. I believe if you avoid these five things in your conversations with your grieving friend, you'll do well to be usable in the master's hands as an encouragement, a help, and a wanted companion on this dark journey of pain. And then I gave five things. You ready? Don't say, I know exactly how you feel. Instead say, I'm deeply sorry for the pain that you're feeling. Why? Because everyone grieves in their own way and you don't know exactly how they feel. You could never know. Even though you have a common pain, you don't have the exact. And it's very painful because you don't know how they feel and how are they supposed to take that? Um, now you've, uh, whether you intended it or not, which I'm sure you didn't intend, um, but you, whether you intended it or not, you've minimized their pain. Like, oh, you're going through the exact same thing. You're not. 
you're going through something similar. Secondly, don't say, how are you? Instead say, how are you right now? Anchoring that question in time releases the person to tell you exactly how they're feeling in the moment. They don't have to think about it. Uh, they don't have to say, what do you mean? What am I, how am I feeling? I feel horrible. What kind of dumb question is that? Like you don't put them in an awkward position and maybe your friend wouldn't say that, but like, of course they're feeling horrible. But when you anchor it in the moment, that could be a good moment for them. They could answer, I feel good today. I kind of feel guilty for it, but it opens up the conversation. Thirdly, don't say, you'll get over it. Instead say, I'll pray for you regularly. I mean, you might see the light at the end of the tunnel because God has helped you in the past. But telling something they'll get over it minimizes their loss. It's better to affirm that you're going to be with them. One of the phrases I like to to use is, I'm I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner. Um, Somebody said that to me once. And I'm like, oh, I love that. What a picture. And, And even if I never hear from them, I know they're praying for me when they remember me. And that means a lot. Next, don't say, God works all things together for good for those who love him. That is a biblical truth. Instead say, God loves you and he understands grief. Romans 8.28 is a powerful verse for sure. But it's not so encouraging to the person that is grieving. And so the timing of using it is very important. And quoting any scripture, just kind of like take two, take two scriptures and call me in the morning may not affirm that you are stepping into their lives instead just throwing out cliche verses and instead of just buying a cup of coffee or talking to the person. So be careful with that one. And then the final one I mentioned is don't say, you look pretty bad today. Or what someone said to me, you you always look sad, Ed. Uh, and you could see I still remember it. It's like, oh, instead say, I love you and I haven't forgotten you. I mean, if they look sad, that's because they are sad. They don't need to be reminded of it. So if you see sadness on someone and you have a relationship, I just, you can just look at me and I say, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. I'm so sorry for your pain. If you see a sad face, that's because your friend's grieving. And, um, you know, it could be 20 years down the road. It could be 50 years down the road. Grief hurts. Death is an enemy. So if you want this um, article, text me. I'll send it to you, or you can go to edtaylor.org. But if you text me, 720-336-0897, I'll send it to you. Or you can just go to the edtaylor.org and search um, five things not to say to your grieving friend. Either way, you can search through all the articles there. 303 Six nine zero three thousand. Chelsea is in Marlton, where Hope FM originates. Marlton, New Jersey. Chelsea, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. You're um, on the air. Oh, hi. <laughs> I've never gotten through to a radio station before. Well, I'm um, glad you called. <laughs> thank you. Um, I've just been having. I loved hearing Armando talk before a couple minutes ago, um, and just being so vulnerable and. Mm. Um, I, I try to be really vulnerable and um but I feel like I feel like my life is constantly a mess. I homeschool my two boys and yes. we have been uh, what I feel I feel like I'm very sensitive to you know the spiritual world I came from um dealing with I was into some you know 
Wiccan kind of stuff when I was younger. Yes. And I'm a newer Christian. I'm a, I've okay. been a Christian for a year now. And um, I just, I cry. <laughs> I always cry. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, I just feel like this, the heaviness um, in my home, like with my boys and yeah. I'm coming to a part of my, like a, a place in my parenthood that I just don't even know how to deal with it. Um, my sons are seven and three and a half. And um, I know it's just like the spiritual warfare going on, but uh, yeah, parenting is really hard. And, um, you know, just getting getting that um, regular routine of spending time with God and being in my Bible. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't... It is hard. So let me just start there. It is hard. So what you're feeling is normal. Um, I know that that may not give the most encouragement. You're like, wait a minute, what do you mean normal? But you're living normal Christianity there. And especially in the day in which we live, it just seems like so many of us are at the breaking point. So many of us have pressure after pressure after pressure and the world just pressing in on us and pressing in on our lives. And then we, we step into a new relationship like you being born again. And, and it feels like this new relationship is just a whole new set of pressures and a whole new set of requirements. Um, but Jesus never intended for you to really feel the weight of a relationship with him as a new set of pressures and requirements. It's, it's like any other relationship you, you're going to thrive with the more time you spend in God's word, whether you read it or you listen to it, like, you know, just having maybe one earbud in and while you're changing diapers and teaching or like letting the word of God saturate your home, saturate your life, not measuring in is so much as in time, um, because then you start beating yourself up like, Oh, I could have done more. I could have done more, but just measuring yourself in, in the sense of satisfaction, uh, that mm-hmm. that my God loves me, He died for me, and look what He said to me today, and look what He said in the Proverbs. Look at He's and and just receiving His Word not as a task to perform, but as a joy, as a joy, as a as an opportunity to experience joy by getting to know Him, and and at the same time know that your life right now is filled with so much worship with all that you're doing in your roles as a mom and as a wife and as a homeschool mom. And, and when you're carting the kids around and shopping, those are all acts of worship. You are living in unity with Jesus, loving your family. I mean, thinking about it, you're loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you're loving your neighbor and your closest neighbor is your family and the privilege that you have to serve your family and maybe talk with your husband you know, time-wise, to make sure that you have a rhythm where you get some rest, uh, that you and your husband can, you know, a few things start lacking when you have young children. Uh, One is time with my husband. Well, I don't have a husband. Time with your husband. Um, Time with my spouse, right? Like like it suffers because we got the kids running here, working here, running around. And then when that time suffers, then the marriage suffers. Mm -hmm. And that's when distance starts. And so arranging some things ahead of time where you guys have a date night that that cannot be no kids. So at Mm -hmm. some point, some kind of help to watch your kids for an hour or two so that you guys stay connected as adults, not husband, not, not mom and dad, but husband and wife. Um, And another pre-planned thing that's important is that you, you have a, you have some time for yourself. 
It is okay to have time for yourself to be recharged, to be rejuvenated, um, to have a clear head. You know, maybe it's a 15 minute walk. Maybe it's a day where you go to the spa, whether it's a, and, and again, you, obviously your budget and everything would, would affect that, but you get the point. You find something to do. You'll find uh, areas not to avoid, not to, you're not trying to get away kind of like the world does. You need to get away from your family and you need to get with the girls and gossip. No, it's not like the world. This is a rhythm that God gave us. Six days we work, one day we rest. Six days we work, one day we rest. And even with kids, you know that you're not always going to get that one day. So you have to accumulate it over time. You have to um, learn. And that's kind of where you are. You're learning the new rhythms of life the way that God intended for you. And it sounds like you're right where you need to be, even though it is a season. And that's something I learned. I, I used to live in California. Southern California, you know, basically had two seasons, hot and rainy, hot and sunny. And that was it. And it was a beautiful place to live. I loved it. Uh, moved to Colorado. There's four seasons. I, I learned that. There literally are four very different, distinct seasons. And, and, and you see that, I'm sure, in New Jersey. Uh, you, guys get, you guys get four distinct seasons. And the neat thing about the seasons is God is so good in that they... They're here just enough to enjoy them or not like them, and then they change, and then they change. You know, and winter, of course, is my uh, season I don't like the most, and and winter is cold. Everything goes dormant. Uh, it's, you know, snowy, and you're shoveling, and, you know, just, ugh. But I am happy when when winter leaves and the, the grass comes back and springtime comes and things are green and the leaves on the trees. And then right when you start getting used to that, then things start winding down. Uh, well, it goes from, uh, you know, summer. I don't even know what order they're in, but you get the point. Life is like that too. Life has its seasons and you're not going to live in this season forever. Um, but in each season we have to learn to adapt. You know, I use my snowblower in winter but it doesn't get used all three other um, seasons. I do different things in different seasons. It's the same with life. We have different things in different seasons. Mm -hmm. Right. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's all things that I know, but it's hard in the moment to like um, to be, be clear-headed, like you said. And it's yeah. funny because we have not gone on a date in four years <laughs> yeah. and we were just saying this week we really really have to because it's definitely taking a toll on us. It, it does on yeah and it builds up you know you yeah. you get into survival mode which is not unusual for a mom and a dad with young kids and uh, i mean marie and i we've raised our kids my youngest is 25 now and my oldest uh would have been 36 this year and we we raised our kids but in those early days we lived a very different life than we live today. Um, very different. We were in a different season of life, and and we were. It, it required a different approach from us. Obviously, we were much younger too, and we also were new believers, similar to you, raising a young family, and and just all of it hitting at once. But I can tell you by testimony that God has been faithful. Um, raised all our kids. We homeschooled. I, I use the word we loosely. You know, my wife. Uh, predominantly homeschooled our kids all the way through high school. Um, they all graduated college. Um, they all loved the Lord. Uh, they all had their own walks with the Lord. They all had their own challenges. Um, but God has been faithful. 
And even though some days we didn't think we were going to make it, and some days we were like, oh my goodness, what were we thinking? God was always reminding us, no, you don't, you don't need to think. I, I will help you. I, will, I am with you. And the choice to pour into your kids as hard as it is, is worth it. But let today's call be within a week. So by next week, this day, you will have a date night with your husband. You guys can go enjoy one another. Right. That's that's on the calendar. Yep. Good. Thank and you. And then call back and tell me how it went. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Let me pray for you because we're coming up on the end of the program. Okay. Father, I pray for Lauren and many moms and dads in similar situations. Uh, just pressure, pressure, pressure. And I pray, God, that you would be that release valve in their lives. And I look forward I look forward to the testimony of Lauren and her husband enjoying a couple hours together, just really healthy, healthy. rekindling that, rekindling that love, rekindling that uh, closeness, and, and, and remembering and recalling the joys uh, that is in their marriage that hasn't been enjoyed for a while. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank God you. God bless you, sister. Bye-bye. Hey, I want to remind you to please pray for the Cox family up in Windsor, Calvary Chapel in Windsor, Colorado. Pray for Pastor Jeff. The whole, the whole up and down the front range around Colorado, um, our little family of Calvary Chapels shaken. God bless you guys. I'll be with you tomorrow, Lord willing. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.